This is the 19th in the series of podcasts produced by the British Society for Haematology. This podcast covers the guideline on CMV serological testing in potential allogeneic hemopoietic stem cell transplant recipients. This podcast is being recorded over Zoom due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, and we apologise for any loss in sound quality that may occur. My name is Susie Morton and I'm a haematology consultant in Birmingham. I work jointly for University Hospitals Birmingham and for NHS Blood and Transplant as a transfusion consultant. I've previously done some work with Professor Mike Murphy looking at the impact of transfusing CMV unselected components and the subsequent serology um, when we're testing patients. And this good practice paper covers some elements of serological testing in patients who are going for a hemopoietic stem cell transplant. It's a short and simple topic, but often overlooked, and hopefully you'll find um, both the paper and the podcast useful. So I'm going to cover in the podcast a little bit of background around the area and why it's an important area. And then secondly, going through the recommendations and just explaining why those recommendations are in place. At the end of the podcast, I'll do a short summary um, around the key points that, um, that it's important to remember. By way of background, it's probably good to start by considering what we mean when we refer to CMV negative and CMV unselected blood components. CMV negative components have been taken from donors who have been tested for CMV IgG and been found to be negative. That means that donor has never had exposure to CMV in their life or more specifically, they haven't developed any antibodies to CMV. Although healthy donors who've had CMV infections in the past will no longer be suffering with the infection if they're well enough to donate. What they will have is latent CMV in their monocytes. Um, and we know that with all the herpes viruses, um, they are prone to latent infection. So if you take blood from a donor who's previously had CMV, you might find uh, CMV virus in their monocytes. If you then transfuse that component to a patient who has a deficient immune system, and particularly here, we're talking about patients who are undergoing hematopoietic stem cell transplants, although there are other patients where um, CMV is relevant um, with respect to the transfusions they receive. These patients um, may then effectively catch CMV from the blood that's being transfused, even though the donor was well at the time of donation. CMV unselected components are not um, CMV positive, but very specifically components where the donor has not been tested. For, um, for CMV. So we do not know whether those donors are CMV IgG positive or not. So what's really important here is that in 2012, following a lot of work looking at um, transfusion of components from CMV unselected donors, um, it was determined that leukocyte reduction, um, whereby we remove the white cells from blood components, is sufficient to reduce the risk of CMV transmission by blood. So although we're saying that there's CMV latent in the monocytes of donors who are CMV IgG positive, actually by removing the white cells from those components, we remove um, effectively the risk of, of transmitting CMV. And as you'll know, in this country, we've been doing universal leukocyte reduction since 1999. So in 2012, SABDO um, released a guideline following a review of the available literature suggesting that we no longer needed to give CMV negative components to bone marrow transplant recipients um, and that as long as the blood is leukocyte reduced, which it is, um, then, then we can use CMV unselected components. 
So this was all quite straightforward um, until we then started to see some unanticipated consequences. Um, and that's really the subject of this good practice paper. So you can imagine that as you transfuse particularly plasma rich components um, to recipients from donors who may be CMV IgG positive or negative, but particularly if they're CMV IgG positive, what you may then see is a passive transfer of antibody from the component into the patient. And then when you test the patient to see what their CMV status is, you may detect some of that transfused CMV IgG. And what we're seeing in the setting of transplant recipients is that that's effectively causing a false positive result, which can then impact on the treatment um, that the patient then goes on to have. There are two consequences of that false positive serology. The first one is um, to do with CMV matching. So as you'll know, patients who are undergoing a stem cell transplant, we aim to match their CMV status between the donor and the recipient. So if you've falsely identified a patient as being CMV positive, you will look for a donor who is CMV positive. If the patient is actually CMV negative, and that's a false positive result because of plasma containing transfusions that they've received from CMV IgG positive donors, then you're then going to be mismatching them, which is going to give them an effectively unnecessary risk of CMV during their transplant. The second unanticipated consequence um, is more about logistics, but still very important. And that is a patient who's identified as being CMV IgG negative um, at the beginning of their treatment. They go through their treatment, they have a donor lined up who is CMV IgG negative, and then the patient tests IgG positive just before the transplant. And that may result um, in a delay to transplant while a CMV IgG positive donor um, is found or when further investigations are done to try and um, elicit why it is that that patient has become CMV IgG positive. And it's really important to remember that that positive may be a false positive result because of the blood transfusions the patient has received during that time. So I'm going to move on now to talking um, about the specific recommendations to highlight what it is that the good practice paper is suggesting in terms of practice and why it is that those recommendations have been made. So the first recommendation is that all potential hematopoietic stem cell transplant recipients should be tested for the presence of CMV IgG antibody at diagnosis prior to transfusion. This will include patients with a new diagnosis of acute myeloid leukemia, acute lymphoblastic leukemia or myelodysplastic syndrome if they're considered to be suitable for stem cell transplant, should it later become indicated. So we used to do this all the time before we were using CMV unselected components because we needed to know when we were giving a transfusion, are we giving CMV unselected or are we giving CMV negative, depending on the CMV status of the patient. But now that that's no longer required because we can give CMV unselected blood to anybody, often this baseline CMV testing is not being carried out. And that can cause a number of problems, as we've already identified. So it's really important to get a pre-transfusion baseline as soon as a patient is seen, where they're considered to have a diagnosis, where they might end up needing to have a stem cell transplant. And that will give a true um, idea of the patient's CMV status before any treatment or transfusion has been given. Patients who are initially found to be CMV IgG negative should be retested prior to their transplant to exclude a primary CMV infection, which of course can happen during the course of the treatment of the patient in the workup to their transplant. They may suffer with a CMV um, infection and it's important to identify that, but it's also really important to identify that that apparent seroconversion may have happened for a number of reasons. 
The recommendations then go on to say that all potential stem cell recipients should have CMV IgG tested at least twice prior to their transplantation, separated in as much time as possible to help identify any false positive results. So really we're just looking to make sure that if the patient is negative, they're truly negative, and if they're positive, then they are truly positive. And any change in serious status should be confirmed with repeat testing in the first instance. And it's really important, as with any test that we do, to think about pre-analytical, analytical and post-analytical errors, which might include transcription errors. And I'm going to say at this point as well that it's really important that all results of CMV testing that are done in a patient in the hospital where the patient first presents are sent on to the transplant centre so that the transplant centre have all of the different results um, to compare and can make a holistic assessment of the patient's CMV status. Where CMV testing cannot be undertaken prior to transfusion, and I'm sure we've all had experiences where we've seen a patient with a new diagnosis of, of leukaemia and they've already been transfused on the acute medical unit before we've seen them, then it's important to think of alternative ways of getting a baseline assessment of the patient. And this might mean resorting to stored pre-transfusion samples, which might have been taken for initial assessment of the patient in other ways. So this might include testing samples taken into plain tubes, um, into EDTA or into biochemistry samples where assays have been validated. And it's really important to take advice of your local virology team when doing this. When CMV testing can't be undertaken prior to transfusion and there are no stored samples suitable for testing either, then positive results should be confirmed with repeat testing, which should be undertaken with as long a time from transfusion as possible. Now, this can be practically very difficult um, because these patients often need repeated transfusions, particularly of platelets, which are plasma rich. But it's important to bear in mind that the half-life of transfused IgG can be anywhere between 20 and 30 days, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, um, but thus meaning that the IgG is potentially going to be detectable for a number of months. If there's doubt as to whether the CMV IgG positivity is due to a genuine infection or to passive acquisition, then there are, are additional tests that can and should be performed, and they will include a repeat CMV IgG, CMV IgM, looking for a, an acute nature of, of a primary infection, a CMV PCR, which again will give you an idea as to whether it's a current infection or not, and also, it might be possible to undertake CMV IgG avidity testing, which will give you an idea as to the avidity of the antibody to CMV and thus how chronic the infection is. In an acute infection, you would expect it to be less, but in a historical infection, i.e. from a donor, um, you would expect it to be higher. And also serial monitoring of semi-quantitative um, IgG to see whether the levels are going up or down. And very clearly, these are extremely specialised tests, which again should only be done when needed and under the guidance of virologists. We can also consider that equivocal or borderline CMV IgG values may indicate passive rather than immune acquisition, and again should prompt repeat confirmatory testing. It's important to consider whenever doing serological testing, and there's nothing unique to CMV when it comes to this is to interpret that in the context of the clinical setting of the patient. That might include um, whether they've had a recent transfusion um, and it might also might include whether they've received other products containing antibodies such as intravenous immunoglobulin. 
it's important to consider not just whether they've had a transfusion or received one of these products, but also how much they've received and what the time gap is between the transfusion and the testing. Finally, the last recommendation is that a CMV IgG status informing a donor search for a stem cell transplant must take into account all of the CMV IgG results, results available for each patient in the context of the transfusion history and any clinical features of infection. So that concludes all of the recommendations made in this good practice paper. And by way of summary and important take home messages, it's very important to take a sample for CMV serology testing at a patient's initial diagnosis and prior to transfusion. If this isn't possible, then it's very important to bear in mind what transfusions have been given and when, when interpreting serology. In the run-up to the transplant, it's important to compare at least two results before deciding if the patient is CMV positive or negative, and that should include any testing that has been done in a referring hospital where that's the case. Wherever there's been an apparent change in serology, then more investigations are required, and that will depend on what's available locally. I would say the most important thing about this whole good practice paper is to make sure, as with any testing that we're doing, that we take it in the clinical context of the patient um, and use all the information available to us rather than accepting a laboratory results at face value. Thank you for listening. I'd like to say a big thank you to my co-authors on the good practice paper, which can be found in full on the BSH website. If you're interested in reading more about any of the topics that we've covered today, the references in the guidelines should be a good start. Please also go to the BSH website to listen to more exciting podcasts from the British Society for Haematology about various important guidelines.